Welcome to the Film Seekers Podcast. Mainstream, art house, vintage, and documentaries. We bring news and reviews of big screen productions to your earbuds. We seek films. Now relax and enjoy the show. show. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for downloading and listening today. We are back for our difficult third album. Yes, we've made it this far. On the show, we'll be taking an in-depth look at the forthcoming London Film Festival. So keep us company. This is the Filmseekers.com podcast. Hello, my name is Neil Ramji. I am the head of Filmseekers and Filmseekers.com. We are in the world as Filmseekers to seek out those films from the dark recesses, bring them to your attention, write and talk about them. We also cover film news and festivals. There are a number of ways of contacting us, including on Twitter. You can follow us at Filmseekers. On Facebook, forward slash Filmseekers. Or if you prefer a traditional email, it's hello at filmseekers.com. Let us know what you've seen. Let us know what you think of your cinema going experiences. We want to hear from you. And that's what makes the show. Today's show is joined by my co-host, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. Mike Ross over on the other side of my table. Hello. Yep. Um, and to quote the uh, great poet of our times, Eminem, guess who's back? Back again. It's me. Are you going to be shady? Uh, I will try to be shady and less mathers. <laughs> um, Mike, uh, what have you been up to this week? Uh, I have been writing quite a bit for Film Seekers, coincidentally. Um, I have a number of reviews up on the website at the moment. Um, if you're listening, we'd love if you could check them out. Give me any feedback. I'm fairly new to this whole film criticism game, so any feedback, any advice and is, is gratefully received. I'm, I'm much appreciative as the head of Film Seekers that Mike has put an awful lot of work in this week. We've been lucky enough to see some of the films that are coming out at London Film Festival that aren't going to be released to the general public for quite, quite some time, really they won't be on general release until next year middle of next year even at the tail end of next year so we've been fortunate enough to have access to those dissect them and give you a little bit of a a little bit of a snifter on our website you can have a little bit of a taste of what they may be and then perhaps follow them up keep them on your watch lists and then see what what goes on in the coming weeks and other film festivals that they may be showing at so uh, including Hagazusa Hagazusa I believe I, I apologize to anyone of Germanic descent if I have uh, if I've in, um, mispronounced that okay uh, it's a uh, horror film uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that in, in, in a wee bit anything that you've seen that perhaps the general public might be able to see this week Mike uh, well, yes, there is a film that came out in the UK, at least, uh, on the Friday just gone, which is called Brimstone. OK, you want to tell us a wee bit more about that? Uh, yes, it is uh, by a first-time writer-director named Martin Coolhoven, and uh, stars Dakota Fanning and Guy Pearce. OK, Coolhoven, uh, that sounds like it's a, a Scandinavian name. Uh, or Dutch. 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 There seems to be an awful lot of Dutch horror westerns going on at the moment does this follow in that sort of trail uh definitely so yeah it's it's a classic sort of western but with strong horror undertones i would say okay uh, a couple of years ago there was a horror western called the salvation headed up by uh mass mickelson mass mickelson and i seem to recall that had eric Cantona in the uh, famous french footballer 
in a in a baddie role, which it was a really enjoyable film. I saw it at London Film Festival in two thousand and fourteen. And uh, I guess this sort of plays on those similar sort of themes. Uh, well, yeah, it's it's one that I think there is a sort of I, I, it may be too much to call it a movement, but there does seem to be a rise of frontier films or westerns that are more concerned with the say the immigrant experience. It's it's more to do with people who are new to the country than the sort of typical western you imagine with cowboys and shootouts in the town you know they they're more about capturing the feel of those people who were first settling this land uh, and so it has a real sort of frontier vibe to it okay uh one to check out i'm sure so that's brimstone and that's uh, been released in the uk this week we are having quite a short show today in the sense that we've had a lot of feedback. Uh, everyone says we talk too long until our voices <laughs> run out of steam. Of course we don't. Uh, no, that's, I think that's just old Smokey Joe me over here <laughs> with my croaky voice. Um, we'll try and give a, a shorter show today. In fact, we have no option but to give a shorter show today. So it'll be under a, an hour and a bit. Uh, we will be solely covering festival news today in our main feature. That will be teeing up all the films that are coming out of London Film Festival. We'll Break it down for you if you're not familiar with film festivals. Mike, as we said, Brimstone is out this week. You've done a fantastic review. It's up on filmseekers.com. We're also looking forward to one of the biggest releases of the year, Blade Runner. Blade Runner holds a very, very special place in my heart because it was one of the first films I saw as a 10-year-old. I know I was too young to see it with my uncle and he showed me the director's cut and I came out with sort of an ex- existential panic afterwards about what it was like to be alive and all the lies that i've been fed all these years about an afterlife santa's not real (laughs) um so blade runner holds a very special place in my heart because i was very impressionable at that age because blade runner was such an impressionable film in my youth i've held it in a very special place i didn't want anyone to go near it and for someone to do a sequel in my head i alarm bells were ringing and i'm i'm sure you can understand that's standpoint denny villeneuve has taken up the mantle he is the director of arrival sicario incendies was his big breakout in his native french language so if if anyone is going to touch it you at least know it's in good hands here it's in excellent hands and also the score done by Hans zimmer in this case and the cinematography by roger deakins who hopefully hopefully getting that oscar that he so sorely deserves he deserves an oscar the cinematography that i have seen in the trailers is exceptional some of the shots that involving ryan gosling and anna desarmas is just out of this world yeah it it looks absolutely stunning we've got a little bit of a vignette here to play for you teeing you up into blade runner 2049 Uh, as we record this it will be out in a couple of days time we'll have a review up on filmseekers.com but if you're not initiated into the world of blade runner here is a little taste of it i think it's challenging to talk about this film without saying anything about it (laughs) i've never worked on anything that's so uh, and rightfully so, uh, you know, shrouded in, in, in secrecy. I still hasn't thought the scripts. And he said, um, this is the best script I've ever read. What was always wanting was a story that flowed naturally out of the first. 
What do you want? I thought you might be able to help me. The first Blade Runner sent a shockwave in the world. At the beginning, we agreed. What we were doing was deeply exciting, that it was a privilege. There are films that come along and strike a chord. They become part of the way you see the world. In this movie, the lighting, the camera, it's like a character in itself. This Blade Runner is a new genius at work. It's the same kind of color palette, but so made by another painter. The film is incredible. It's haunting. It's finally unearthed. And that was a very, very enticing clip for Blade Runner 2049. I am so hyped about it. I know it's in safe hands. I know it's going to be the film that I really, really am going to enjoy. You watched Blade Runner for the very first time last night, Mike. How did you find it? Um, Obviously amazing. It was just, it, it is a film that is designed within an inch of its life. It just screams cool and gorgeous sort of imagery um the score was amazing and so influential like coming to it now i've seen so many films that have so clearly been influenced by this film yeah the score by vangelis is one of my favorite scores of all time i think it suits it even the jazzy love theme which people slightly deride i think perfectly fits it i think it's well ahead of the game of its times 1982 film perfectly predicts how tokyo looks and went on to look like with the uh, uh, billboard screens with uh, people moving to and from them and interacting with the public and uh, i i felt really immersed in that world the world building on that is probably the best i've ever seen on film and that's that's not an overstatement that's that's pure fact i just felt like you were in that world with him and the final cut where it brushes up on different elements to make it seem less dated than what it was, I think does justice to the original piece. Now, Mike, you've only seen the final cut, which was the, the film that you, the yeah. version you saw last night. Obviously, there's, there's, I say obviously, there are f- more than five cuts. There's five official cuts of the film. I've seen them all, of course, and I do have my favourite, and it is the final cut itself, actually. I do like the work print is my second favourite. I think you mentioned to me, Mike, that you thought that it did come across a little bit dated in your eyes yeah it's not even in the effects shots or the sort of world building it was more the fashion the the use of neon and and things like that just just screamed a little bit 80s to me okay um yeah i I think uh, looking at atomic blonde this year the use of neon in that particularly does shout 80s it does evoke the 80s yeah yeah and it's it's a common motif used in things uh, that are post-apocalyptic but uh, you know like the bad batch has got a lot of neon in it that's the new netflix with keanu reeves um, and and yeah it, it has influenced a lot of other films if you think of drive things like that are all neon soaked and and i must say considering that at what at this point it's 35 years old 
It is, yeah. It hi. holds up Hello. incredibly well. It really does. Um, I, I was expecting to notice a bit more with the the shots, the effects. I was expecting to sort of be brought out of the film a little bit by that as a modern viewer, but I, I really wasn't. Like I say, it was it was the the fashion that that did it. It was the shoulder pads and <laughs> things like that. Um, Not a fan of the eighty shoulder pads, but the, the special effects. I still can't get my head around how they created half of those special effects because the version you saw is not that far removed from the original. Oh, wow. Not not much has been done. I would have guessed that it had been quite touched up. It has been touched up slightly in places, but the majority of which was done with miniatures, but done in such a convincing fashion. And I love the use of miniatures when it's done particularly well. I think they can be incredibly convincing. Yeah, they're they're very immersive. They're real. You can feel the sort of the the weight of them the solidity of them in a way that i find a lot of cg often doesn't have it's that uncanny valley yeah it's but it's this tactility of having something real and physical uh in in view of the screen and we've seen it used on lots and lots of films lots of space orientated films uh where miniatures are it's it's, a, it's an art form that's been lost and replaced by cgi as you say and it, that's that's another sad thing that's that's gone isn't it although i do think there is a bit of a resurgence at the moment uh there is a a love of of practical effects that is is coming back into film and is starting to sort of bleed over all across um just one last one last point that i wanted to make yeah. is um two years away where are our flying cars Eh, i want some blooming flying cars because a lot of it was quite accurate other than that but but just yeah like you say the billboards all of that was very well done but just that idea of i want flying cars damn it well this week uh, i retweeted something uh, about a taxi in saudi arabia the first flying taxi has now gone into flight. oh wow so not only will blade runner become real but the fifth element as well mm, that's amazing yeah. and, and i mean you know it's it's still a year and a bit away to 2019 they've got plenty if, of time to perfect if they it. get a bit of a shift on we could have some flying cars absolutely uh, going into blade runner 2049 if you haven't seen the first it's not really that important apparently 2049 can stand alone as a film in itself and you can pick up from where it starts essentially there are three short films that are available online at the moment that will give you a little bit of a background very similar in in terms of uh, geeing up the film uh, that the, the matrix had a couple of short films that you could watch before to give you a bit more you know surplus information i think prometheus did it a, a short while ago as well where there was quite a lot of supplementary information just to sort of get you knowledgeable to sort of get your knowledge to where it needs to be to fully appreciate the film. Okay, so there's three particular shorts that you can watch online for free that will give you that background information before you watch 2049. As as again, as I said, it's not really that important you do, but they are pretty cool. The first being Blackout 2022, which is the anime from Shinichiro Watanabe, who did Cowboy Bebop, uh, which is a very, very famous anime. And this deals with the growth of sex bots uh, within the replicant age. And actually, that kind of parallels what's going on at the moment with the controversy around AI and the use of that in uh, robots that can provide pleasure. Uh, so that is a 15-minute or so animated film. There is also a couple of much shorter shorts, uh, one being the... 2036 nexus dawn directed by luke scott who was the son of ridley scott 
And this involves the key figure of Jared Leto's character Wallace in the film. And then the final one is 2048 Nowhere to Run. Once again, directed by Luke Scott, son of Ridley. And it stars Dave Bautista, of all people, who is in the film. Uh, he used to be a pro wrestler. Uh, he was WWF world champion at one point, who has now turned his hand to doing some really impressive acting. I was going to say quite turned his hand quite successfully. He's he's one of the few wrestlers that are starting to gain some credibility in the acting field. And he's done very well in the short. I've seen all of them apart from the animated version now. And Dave Bautista in this particular short really really i felt like i was i was back in the world that deckard was in in the first film so all three of them are available online please go and check them out and once again i'm so looking forward to 2049 mike yeah um, i was already excited for it i'm a big denny villeneuve fan uh but now having seen the original i i can't wait hey everyone i'm jason michael and i'm lee brady and we're the atlantic screen connection podcast we're a podcast that looks to analyze what makes films great with a warm atmosphere and a good laugh. New releases, retrospectives, and absolute classics all reassessed and reviewed. You can find the Atlantic Screen Connection podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio. And if you're looking for a more direct approach, you can find us on Twitter. Just look for Jason Michael at Atlantic SC and Lee Brady at Big Pick Reviews. Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection podcast. Let the games begin couple of our buddies there from a fellow podcast jason and lee hello to both of you and thank you for all your continuing support with the film seekers podcast they had some really nice words to say to us this week didn't they mike uh, yeah well jason had a great little thread on twitter where uh it was international podcasts day on saturday i think or sunday i wasn't quite sure where we're english and they're in america i can never quite get the time difference straight in my head from canada so well, well yeah sorry with, with jason he is canadian of course um and so yeah he he did a little thread on podcasts that he recommended two people uh there's a few that i already listened to there's a few that are now on my radar thanks to this and he he mentioned ourselves which was lovely of him it was wonderful and and those two are so supportive so if you want to follow those two guys and they go so deep onto their films and we compared lee to susie dent from countdown last week i'm not sure who we'd compare jason to Perhaps maybe an the Obi Wan of uh, oh, oh well, I, I was going to say Rachel Riley the oh, the numbers the, he's he's the one with the smarts that's, that's keeping that's, everything ticking you know one one hits intelligence on one side yes. which is uh, uh, words and words, lexicography and, it, and then the other hits intelligently on another point which is the mathematics so Rachel Riley. And Susie Dent, thank you very much for your support. <laughs> that, that I swear that's a compliment. Please don't <laughs> hate us. Uh, but thank you very much. You can follow those two guys on Twitter at Big Pick Reviews and at Atlantic Etsy. And it's a podcast that we highly recommend you check out. Now we're going to go move on to our film festival news. New York Film Festival is continuing over the next couple of weeks. The big film that opened up the week was last flag flying yes which is the new film from richard linklater and it stars larry fishburne old larry fishburne yeah <laughs> as we've established and steve carell and brian cranston. cranston yeah and it deals with these three guys that are reunited over the death of a fellow school friend or a colleague 
and they go on this long journey to bury this colleague and it's about recalling the past and reuniting and reigniting those bonds that welded them together as friends uh, a long long time ago it would appear uh, apart from that i don't know an awful lot else i'm trying not to spoil it because i am going to go and see it this is playing at london film festival you'd be well advised to get a ticket for it it's quite a broad film in terms of its commercial sense but apparently the three lead roles are exceptionally played as you would expect from from Cranston. that cast yeah. exactly now it had a lukewarm reception to say the least it got applause and it did what it did that was necessary so i still think it's worth a shout i think i think it perhaps it might play different to an international audience rather than a new york american audience because obviously this is an american film um i think also the the it might play better to your general audience than say a film festival audience who are often a bit more expectant yes exactly yeah. they yeah. they're they're looking for something a bit different they 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 watch a lot more films so they're looking for something that's going to surprise them or entice them and and yeah this this apparently from from what we hear just didn't quite do that no and brian cranston's next project it makes me cringe in the fact that they've touched this because it was in fact untouchable yeah and and should have remained <laughs> and this untouchable. is this is the remake of the french film Antouchable, uh, which had Omar Sy in the uh, one of the lead roles. Uh, this time, it's been remade with Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart. Which just I I not to throw down or throw shade at the man in any kind of way, but he just doesn't seem like the right fit for this film at all for me. Is that Cranston or is it Kevin uh, Hart? Sorry, Kevin Hart. Um, <laughs> Brian Cranston, I, I like as an actor. I know he can do good work and I may be unfair to Kevin Hart here, but I haven't seen enough from him that shows that he has the dramatic chops for this. And I would completely agree on that one. I don't think Kevin Hart's squeaky sort of voice does any favours to this really, really touching true story, in fact, about a man who was paraplegic, who was then struck up a friendship with someone from the local ghetto and how their friendship then transcended their cultural boundaries and they became really quite really firm buds. friends yeah. yeah it does pull at the heartstrings the film i think it's done in a very broad sense this is the original french version we're talking about it's done in a very broad manner but it's so funny and it's so touching and it's so sensitively done and so real i think it had a real air of authenticity to it that I'm worried we'll be lost in this American remake. I mean, as is, if I've seen the original, I will just ignore the American remakes because so often they don't try to add anything new. It's literally just remaking it in a different language so people can watch it without reading subtitles. Yeah. And, and you often lose part of what made the film great when you do that. Uh, yeah so that is what has been playing at uh, new york film festival this week we are going to go on to our main sort of feature for today which is teeing up london film festival now there's an awful lot going on at london film festival this is the 61st festival we will break down what goes on at a film festival to you we sort of touched on this last week but we'll, we'll do it for anyone that's new that's joining us and uh, anyone that's forgotten since last week <laughs> what are you doing uh so at film festivals there will be a selection of films they're all broken into different strands according to where 
they fit into. In the case of London Film Festival, it's broken into the headline galas, uh, strand galas, an official competition, first feature competition, documentary competition and short competition. And then they all fit, as I said, different categories. So the categories include cult, dare, debate, uh, love, laugh, thrill and journey. That was well remembered. I didn't even <laughs> didn't even look at my notes. I am impressed. <laughs> and uh, this year we're going to go to quite a few of the films that are playing in competition, but they also then fall into one of those genre categories. So you know what you're going to go and see. Uh, so you won't walk into a, a horror film not knowing that it doesn't fall under a cult or dare category. Um, so, yeah. So, for example, anyone that knows me would not be surprised to learn that it is mainly the cult the thrill and the dare sections that are enticing me. I'm going to go for a selection of something out of every pot just to get a bit of a, a rounded view of what's going on in the film world and what's coming out uh, soon. Uh, Mike, you've got some interesting facts and figures there in front of you about the London Film Festival. Do you want to pick any out the top of your head, some factoids? Uh, well, uh, the number of uh, female directors in the LFF selection is 118. Uh, so this is both the shorts, uh, the competition and the, the regular features. So with, obviously, representation is, is something we've brought up on the podcast before. It's a very important issue that continues to be important. And so I, I, I don't know for certain, but I think if you were to check against last year's figures, this, I think, is a step up. Yeah representation is still going to be a thing that we're going to be barking on about for for a long time to come it's really good to see that there was such a, a representation of women in directing roles at london film festival this year so we're going to take you through each section of the film program at london film festival this week plenty of tickets available if you're listening to this before or during the festival go on the bfi website have a look grab some tickets go and see something that's slightly out of your comfort zone take a chance yeah you never know you might just like it and mike you've watched a few of them this week that perhaps you wouldn't have normally have taken a chance on and you've thoroughly enjoyed them yeah definitely um i'm not really much of a documentary guy and i ended up watching a documentary that i found really quite interesting that we'll we'll talk about in a bit but it it's good to occasionally or not occasionally it's good to try and get yourself out of your comfort zone so i am a big genre film fan but that doesn't mean that i only watch genre films i will try and taste things from other realms and and see what works for you because we change everyone changes regularly you're, you're not the same person you were yesterday and so your tastes can change and should change and and so i think that's something to be encouraged yeah and i, I think it's always good to try new things um if we talk about uh, mike eat specific things and won't eat other foods <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bit of a picky eater yeah that's fair and uh i, I definitely recall a time uh, uh maybe a, a year ago when uh, we were both in london and mike never sampled bubble tea before we were outside a bubble tea shop and mike sucked up some of my bubble tea uh, from my cup uh, which i mean yeah I'm, i was just about to say this is probably not the best example because it was vile <laughs> it was such a bizarre texture texture is quite a big thing for me and and so the the feel of them in my mouth was horrific uh, at which point he 
spat him out spat in the middle of the street. street. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it just goes to show if you don't try, you don't know. Uh, uh, well, yeah, a, a better example might be that I recently I'm I'm not really a fan of curries or Indian cuisine. It's I I think the spice palette, but. Saying that, I, I had a curry recently that was absolutely lovely. And and so it's, I'm trying to push myself more to, to get out of my comfort zone again, to just, like I say, you know, your your taste buds change over the course of your life. And so just because you didn't like something at that point doesn't mean you won't like it now. Yeah, absolutely. So the same theory applies to films. Go and see something that you might actually like this time. You know, 10 years ago, you may not have liked the form of a documentary, but now... You've got that knowledge behind you and you perhaps might be a bit more world wise. Go and see a documentary. It might open your eyes to something brand new or go and see a foreign language film. There's lots and lots of them to go and see. So, yes, at the headline galas that are going to be at London Film Festival, there is quite a representation of, I would say, the more popular films. Uh, any that at uh, the opening night, let's talk about the opening night, Mike. Breathe, which is the Andy Circus debut featuring Claire Foy and Andrew Garfield. And Andy Serkis is known for being Gollum. Caesar in the Planet of the Apes films recently. So he's a motion capture artist primarily, and this time he is directing for the very first time. He has his own mocap company that he lends out to different film projects that does it at a very professional level well yeah i mean uh you said he's a motion capture performer i'd say he's possibly the The, motion capture performer he has moved that field along so far um and so yeah it's one that i'm willing to give his directorial debut a go breathe is a film that perhaps strikes me as a little bit more worthy than other films I am not particularly into it. I'm not a fan of Andrew Garfield. I don't really like Claire Foy uh, from what I've seen of The Crown, the Netflix series, which is where she's pretty much made most of her name from. I think this is a film that's baiting uh, the Oscar crowd and it just really looks like a boring story. What makes it compelling to you, Mike? I would like to say it's, it's Andy Serkis's name attached. Uh, you think he might be able to do something a bit different? I'm I'm intrigued to see what that man can do. He's worked with such a raft of amazing directors that he must have picked some stuff up along the way. And so I'm intrigued to see what he does with it. The story is that Andrew Garfield is uh, contract polio and then subsequently becomes more degenerative with the, as the polio takes over his body and it's up to... Claire Foy's character to then look after him for the rest of his days and it's it's touted as a love story immediately I'm just I'm already out of this you, you sound checked out to yeah. be honest um it's one where I think Andrew Garfield really wants an Oscar at this point there were a couple films uh this year with Silence and uh Hacksaw Ridge that just it really feels like that's where he's he's sort of driving towards and and that's what he's pursuing at the moment. Okay, there are other films on the gala bill. So the headline gala is the American Express gala is uh, Battle of the Sexes, which is from uh, the directors of Little Miss Sunshine, Valerie Farris and Jonathan Dayton. Once again, hooking up with one of the stars of Little Miss Sunshine, which is Steve Carell, and in the other opposite lead role is Emma Stone, and this is this true story or a play on the true story shall i say of the tennis match where a very arrogant businessman called out billy jean king a very famous tennis player of the 70s to have a mixed gender tennis match it looks kind of fun there's also been a tennis film out very recently borg McEnroe, and that has 
had some very good reviews in some places once again i'm not really in tune to this i think it's going to be a very crowd-pleasing film i don't think it's going to give me what i want from this sort of area i think i think i want something a little bit more in depth on it but well i i I think um little miss sunshine which is obviously their one of their previous films had that air to it as well it's one i didn't watch for quite a while because it it did just look a bit twee or saccharine but they managed to put some real pathos into it. And so I have hope that they will do the same with Battle of the Sexes, that it is not just a light and fluffy comedy, that there will actually be some bite there to it. Talking of bite, Call Me By Your Name, the Luca Guadagino film, which is the uh, story set over, I think it's, is this one the Italian film? Italian set, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm quite into this because I've heard that it this coming of age sort of story is presented in a manner that's perhaps a bit different to what we've seen before. And uh, Luca Guadagino's previous work, A Bigger Splash, I saw at London Film Festival a couple of years ago, made a massive impression of me. Dakota Johnson, Johnson and uh, Ray Fiennes, a couple of Tilda Swinton, Matthias Skernartz, quite a few big names. This time it involved Army Hammer and uh, a 17 year old boy and their, their relationship together quite controversial because obviously that 17 year old is viewed as a as a minor in some some areas of the world and it's uh from what i understand quite a touching story of how once again love can transcend all these boundaries that are put in put in place army howard uh, but yeah it's it's one that it does look quite quite beautiful and quite tastefully done it's it's not exploitative it's not a whoa way you know sort of film it, it it has real heart and it it connects to the characters it's it's not just using their story it, it feels for them as well i'm super involved into that one i'm going to be able to see that uh at london film festival and i i just can't wait for him it's good to see that queer cinema is is so at the forefront of uh the next round of prestigious films or award-worthy films shall i say it's really really good to see that again representation is very important and a lot of the people out there are not straight so they should have films that genuinely reflect their experiences and and their life and speak to them and speak to them exactly really really important the other galas that are also on the list uh film stars don't die in liverpool which i've heard is quite similar to my week with marilyn where a a very famous hollywood star has a relationship with a younger person on a film set in this case it is annette benning playing the older hollywood film star and the younger guy i think is jamie bell jamie bell yeah so uh, Jamie Bell's actually in two films coming out coming up soon. So it's in Six Days, which is also playing at London Film Festival, which is the story of the, the SAS um, storming the Iranian, Iranian embassy yeah. in the hostage crisis. Yeah, yeah. So no, that, that that one also looks good. Film stars don't die in Liverpool. I'm already tuned in because it is Annette Bening. I love her on screen. I think she's a great screen presence, and her previous work just speaks for itself. Um, in fact, I'm going to be at a special screen talk that Annette benning is giving at the bfi um, about her life and her career during london film festival so she's doing that as well tickets were so hard to come by but i managed to get one in the end i was gonna say it's one i'm gutted that i can't be there uh, it's going to be amazing uh, the other films that are about uh, the gala <clears throat> showings include the killing of a sacred deer now that is the latest from yorgos Lanthimos. 
I, I won't use the exact words, but apparently it's the most messed up film of this year. For reasons I don't know why, I don't want to spoil it too much because I think if you read too much into Lanthimos's films, that's what can happen, especially with things like The Lobster, where perhaps if I knew a little less, it would have had a greater impact on me. Not that, that it wasn't enjoyable, but if I knew a little bit less, perhaps I would have been a little bit more surprised of what I was walking into. And Mud Browns, now this is... D. Reese, is this the first time directing? I don't think it is the first time direction for D. Reese, but this Mudbound is significant in in the fact that it's set in the Deep South in nineteen forties. It talks about the uh, a black family and a, a and a white family set in this very segregated era. D. Reese is of African American origin, I believe. This film is also going on to Netflix quite soon afterwards. A Netflix release, uh, all the controversy surrounding streaming services having their big films at film festivals doesn't seem to have affected London Film Festival in this sense. Mike, you really looking forward to Mudbound as well? Uh, yes, I am. It uh, Garrett uh, Headland. Headland. There you go. I almost said Dillahunt. I don't know where I was getting that from. Garrett Headland, I think, is a really good actor, um, and the other lead is someone who I've only recently started to become aware of. But he played Easy E in Straight Out of Compton. Oh, I see. Yeah. So Headland, you would have seen in stuff like Pacific Rim. There are a few other big names that, that I am struggling to, to think, think of now. But yeah, he's 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 sort of done quite a few films and he i think is a bit of an underrated actor i i remember seeing him in four brothers and being very impressed by him in that holding his own against marky mark and others so yeah it, it's one that i'm very excited for it's a interesting story about obviously like you said uh, a black family and a white family um and the two f- fathers or, or figureheads of the family both uh, were in the war and have been scarred by it and yet find a friendship that helps them, but that crosses racial divides that you were not allowed to cross in those days in that time, uh, in that place, sorry. So yeah, it, it's one that it looks very good. Mudbound were both locked into for that one. Now, the other galas that are there is uh, The Shape of Water, which is the latest film from Guillermo del Toro, took away the best prize at the i want to say venice film festival was it toronto it was toronto was toronto it? It yeah was toronto film festival uh stars sally hawkin in the lead role and this once again plays into the idea of fairy tales uh fairy tale realism that sort of guillermo del toro has made a genre for himself as of late i don't know what the exact story is mike you probably um, know a bit more on this one it, a mute woman is working at a government facility uh she meets an inhabitant thereof and the two start to uh develop a relationship I, I don't want to say too much more. Do you want that as a surprise? I, I think it would be better for, for people to, if you can, go into it not knowing anymore. The hint is in the title, Shape of Water, and that is Guillermo del Torres playing in the galas. And finally, the, the one gala film that also I'm really, really tuned into is Lynn Ramsey's latest film, You Were Never Really Here. And it stars Joaquin Phoenix in the lead role. Once again, I haven't read too much about it, but the fact that Joaquin Phoenix is in it, and I think he's done some excellent work in the last five to ten years. And Lynn Ramsey, we need to talk about Kevin. What a great film. I, I like her particular style. Uh, it's very thought-provoking in the way that she has a very over-the-shoulder distance from her lead characters, which gives you that time to reflect on things. Joaquin Phoenix, for for all of his quirks and perhaps faults, is also a great 
screen presence and uh, I think that there's definitely a curiosity about him that perhaps he downplays some of the time I think he's perhaps even quite quirky in real life and that sort of bleeds into the way he acts as well is there anything that kind of any roles that Joaquin Phoenix sort of stand out for you Um, well I, I thought he was absolutely amazing in Walk the Line as Johnny Cash mm. I, I think he just nails that but uh feeding into the um what you were talking about there is the the pseudo documentary he made where he I'm not there I'm not there where he he became a rapper um much to the amazement and amusement of other people uh, but it was all uh not a stunt say but uh uh would you say it's uh, more of like a method acting to where he embodied his character so much that it became real um uh, yeah i think so and it, and it was also a, a, to, a, a, a almost an, an art project or an, an installation it felt like it he was trying to do something different they were they were examining celebrity and the culture thereof and how the media reacts and treats people in that field. And so, yeah, it, it, it's one that just, it, it's weird, but it's really quite good. In the special presentations, there's also Clio Barnard's Dark River, which I'd like us to sort of both touch on. In the year that we've had some excellent films that touch on the world of farming, God's Own Country being one of our favourite films of this year, I think we can I can speak for both yeah, of us in there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Clio Barnard's, social realism of her style very evocative ken ken loach's films i i love clio barnard's work the arbor is probably one of my favorites of her back catalogue but also the selfish giant with the story of a young boy who had anger issues had very very poor parenting and could only find the love and warmth and connection it's a film that i'm definitely locked into this time it's set in yorkshire uh, which is similar to god's own country same sort of area and uh, i think it promises to be another astounding film from an incredible british director clio barnard's dark river there there is a, a one other film that i'd like to sort of talk about and maybe there is any another film that you'd might like to talk about as well mike but happy end michael haneke's latest film always great when haneke brings out a film i i loved amor one of the films of the year for when that was released for me the the, the idea of death revisiting you and how finite life is i think i have an obsession with the the, the finiteness of life <laughs> but uh, happy end this time it deals with a dysfunctional uh, affluent french family and the immigrant crisis that is now uh, becoming such a talking point in france so on to the films in official competition so this will be the best film award will be awarded to one of these films a couple of the films that we caught our eye on the official competition list include 120 beats per minute that's already been out in france and this time it's a film about aids activism done quite well for itself in its native country I'm super in tune for it. I've heard so many good things about it. The other films that are on this list include Good Manners. Mike, I believe you have a bit of a blurb on this one. Uh, Yeah, that's one that definitely uh, sort of jumped out to me. It's uh, written and directed by Marco Dutra and Juliana uh, Juliana Rojas. Okay. And is a tale of two women who develop a very strong bond. Lonely nurse Clara and her wealthy patron Anna they like like I say they start to uh, Clara works for Anna or starts to work for Anna the two women develop a friendship and uh, a fateful night changes their plans it's one that it looks 
quite offbeat and quite weird, which, as you're probably starting to learn, is very much my taste. Okay, so that is Good Manners. Put that one on your watch list. Other couple of films that are in the uh, official competition list include Lean on Pete, which is the latest film from Andrew Hay. Andrew Hay being known for doing 45 years, among other films. Uh, Loveless, which is the new film from Andrei Zagnishev, uh, who uh, did Leviathan, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. If you're able to go and see those or, or rent them out, definitely see, seek out Leviathan. Um, and then Thoroughbreds, which myself and Mike will be seeing at London Film Festival. Very excited about, but I also think we've maybe talked about quite a bit at this point. No, and we'll be talking about that a bit more, getting our first reactions when we go to London Film Festival. Of course, we're going to have a special episode coming up in, in, a, in a week or so's time where we will have first reactions coming out of the films live at London Film Festival. So Thoroughbreds, uh, latest film from Corey Finley. Once again, I believe one to definitely put onto your list. Now, this is where interesting directors come out of is the first feature competition. Uh, We saw Robert Eggers in there a few years ago. We've had the benefit of being able to see a couple of the films from uh, the first feature list. I have seen Ava, which is a directorial debut from Leah Mysis, the review of which is up on filmseekers.com. Please go on, have a look, read it out. I do think it's well worth it. Get a ticket for that one. It's one I do definitely want to watch, uh, especially after reading your your brilliant review. <laughs> Thank you very much, Michael. Uh, the other film that I did see as well was The Cake Maker, uh, which is a Israeli-German film uh, about a baker who then goes on a journey and it all becomes very entangled in their intermingling relationships. Definitely a, uh, worth a shout once again. It's a well-crafted film and there's definitely a lot of love put into that craft. I Am Not a Witch is another film that we've talked about in the past few weeks from Welsh Nigerian director. Yes, Rangani Nyoni. I don't know why I keep saying that when I probably am horribly mispronouncing it, so apologies there. Uh, But it's the story of a young girl who is accused of being a witch and after being found guilty has to go and live with a witch camp. So, wow. I mean, if that... If that sort of brief synopsis doesn't get you interested in this film, I, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, and and the final one that really kind of uh, grabbed me was Summer 1993, which is a Spanish film from Carla Simon. Uh, and it is it deals with bereavement through the eyes of a six-year-old. So those are the f- couple of films that you definitely should put onto your watch list in the coming uh, week or so. And if you can get down to London Film Festival, grab a ticket for them. Go and see them. I think they, they might surprise you. Uh, into the Love Strand on Chesil Beach, uh, latest film from Dominic Cook, a film that has threatened to break our hearts. Saoirse Ronan in the lead there. And uh, I want to say Donald Gleeson, but it's not Donald Gleeson. I mean, if anyone's going to break my heart in a film, it is going to be Saoirse Ronan. So. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, got Emily Watson and I believe the uh, lead role is played by Samuel West who does look like an interchangeable Daniel Gleeson there aren't an awful lot of other films on the love strand uh, I think Grown Ups is one that I've seen the trailer for which is a Chile slash Netherlands slash French production it is about love and sex in somewhere where you wouldn't normally consider it in the fact that perhaps we don't talk about it it's a group of people with uh, learning difficulties and Down syndrome and how they interact with each other and how love and sex still mean 
a huge part to their lives. It's something that's described as a tender documentary. The other film in there, uh, which is probably grabbing the most headlines, is How to Talk to Girls at Parties. Mike, you're into this one. Uh, yeah, based off of a Neil Gaiman short story, who I love anything that he writes, and starring Nicole Kidman and Elle Fanning. And it's about um, a guy meets a girl at a party who may not be from this earth i don't think that's a spoiler i think, I, that I think spoiler. that's okay uh but it has quite a nice sort of punk vibe and sensibility to it that that is just sort of calling me definitely set in the 80s croydon of all places uh seeing l fanning and nicole kidman in in that sort of setting is uh is quite bizarre <laughs> and a couple of other films on the uh, love strand strangely journeyman um it must be in the love strand for some reason. The second film from Paddy Considine, uh, who directed a, a very powerful film called Tyrannosaur a couple of years ago with Olivia Coleman and Peter Mullen. Once again, worth checking out if you can get hold of that one. Journeyman this time, uh, Constantine stars as the main role. Uh, and he's, uh, a, he's boxer. a boxer who suffers uh, an injury and has to essentially learn how to be himself almost a new uh sort of leaving behind the the person that was very much him you know sort of his identity was wrapped up in in being a boxer and having to sort of relearn your body and and sort of find new ways to to go on when something is taken from you it's it's one that yeah it's it's getting quite a lot of attention and and definitely has me on board one that we don't really talk about as much as we should another documentary roller dreams mike you had the pleasure of seeing this film tell us about roller dreams yeah it's a great documentary uh from kate hickey who uh this is her first uh feature she was uh she worked in the editorial department for a number of films like the town uh whip it and the hbo girls tv show um oh wow so she's done quite a lot of stuff really yeah yeah she's been putting her work in and it's about uh venice beach in the 1980s and the birth of the roller dance scene which is basically you take break dancing disco dancing line dancing and put it all on roller skates and that gives you this amazing new uh dance form that was really starting to build some momentum and and seemed to be quite a dedicated scene it was a fairly small group of performers involved who all were doing this out of love um it used to attract very large crowds and they would they almost became local celebrities in the area um and it, it it's just great it, it has a weird sort of mythic undertones where some of these people clearly had a very large effect on on the others involved um the specific one is uh the leader of the movement the the sort of the genesis of it is uh, a guy called mad who um this it's 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 almost slightly tragic um he moved away after becoming slightly disenchanted with what was happening to the scene and doesn't skate anymore when that clearly was such a defining part of his life the craze brought in hollywood attracted the interest of hollywood uh, and so there were a number of films made uh, the most famous of which is roller boogie with linda blair um, but unfortunately in all of these films they completely whitewash it. It's all white actors and performers involved when the scene was largely African-American. Okay. Um, and so there's even a specific uh, mad recounts a tale of uh, being approached by a movie producer where they wanted to use his legs 
but digitally craft on a white actor's body. Brilliant. Uh, which is just shocking when you think about it. Um, and so, yeah. It, but not surprising. Not surprising at all, sadly. Um, there were one or two issues I had with it, but ultimately I found it very informative and, and really uplifting. It It left me with that lovely warm snuggly feeling you get inside when something just sort of tugs on the heartstrings correctly um but also i learned about this movement this this scene that i knew nothing about beforehand and so it's one that i would definitely urge people to go and check out if they're able to so grab a ticket that is roller dreams playing at london film festival under the love category and so on to our next category, and that is the debate category. This tends to be around mostly documentary style films, but uh, there are a few that we just want to highlight. Foxtrot, which took away a couple of the big prizes at Venice a couple of weeks ago. The Samuel Mao's film about a family and their son at a military outpost from the buzz coming out of Venice and definitely taking those awards is certainly worth a ticket or two. Now onto the Laugh Strand. And there's a couple of titles that really strike us, particularly in the English language. Nemeroritz Stories, which are going to be ending up on Netflix in a few weeks' times. The Noah Baumbach directed films. Lots and lots of big names in this one, Mike. Yeah, great cast. It's uh, Dustin Hoffman, Adam Stiller. Emma Thompson. Yeah, Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller. There we go. You I made just, a new person. I, I made a horrific new comedy monster that's just going to rain fire on all of us. I'm, I apologize. Do some really bad films and do some really good films. A bit like Adam Sandler himself, actually. Um, Adam Sandler returned to form on this one after seeing... Uh, I've only ever seen him act particularly well in one, two films. Uh, one of which being Punch Drunk Love, the other one being Funny People, which is about stand-up comedians. Surely not that it's, hard It's a for slightly him. easier role for him to do, yeah. Good to see Adam Sandler can do that work. It would be good to see him do that work again rather than taking a fast buck. Other films include Brigsby Bear, the Dave McCary story, played at Fantastic Fest, I think, and a yes. few other festivals. Uh, and this is a sort of Truman Show-esque film where a tv show was made specifically for one person and everything they've been told about the world has been through this one tv show he's sort of uh, abducted and taken away from his family and brigsby bear is almost his whole life the 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 tv show and then he is taken out of that situation and has to recontextualize the world knowing what he knows now there are a couple of other ones in there as well ones to mention include funny cow which is the Adrian Shergold new film about 70s, 80s, Northern England, synonymous with the cabaret and comedy scene. And this follows uh, quite a lot of abusive, abusive relationships and sexist sort of attitudes of that era, which still quite prevalent, I think, in some very, very small communities. Definitely. But of the 70s and 80s, widespread uh i don't think there's any two ways about this this was about a, a female stand-up comedian that had to go into these smoky clubs and encounter that firsthand i was gonna say breaking into the men's club sort of area yeah it's breaking boundaries um and uh, an era where it wasn't seen to be a woman's place to be in these places so uh, ingrid goes west uh, matt spicer's latest film which i am very very excited about um stars elizabeth olsen and aubrey plaza and o'shea jackson jr and the way i've seen it that i thought was quite good is uh single white female for the internet age 
Okay. Uh, Aubrey Plaza becomes obsessed with Elizabeth Olsen's character after following her on Instagram and starts to insert herself into her life. Brilliant. Uh, I think that's going to play quite wide as well because obviously you've got uh, a younger audience that will be attuned to Instagramming and all the rest of it. So definitely, definitely one to watch and a nice spin to turn that stalkerish vibe into a modern day sort of era. Under the Dare sort of category uh amon dubler which is the latest francois ozon film francois ozon one of these directors seems to knock out a film every year he is quite prodigious yeah uh, i saw a film from ozon earlier on this year uh which was called france and uh, a couple of years previous to that he had the film called in the house which, uh, which i love it's one of my favorite films of recent years the weird psychological thriller about a young boy who starts to write quite voyeuristic tales uh, about a friend's family and is encouraged to do so by his teacher and the sort of the weird relationship that grows between the two of them because of this. And uh, Ozon's no stranger to London Film Festival. Once again, another one to seek out. Uh, Ozon has such a great body of work. I think his quality can vary for me, but uh, I'm definitely very, very much excited to see uh, Amon Dubla, which gets its UK release just after the end of the festival as well, if you can't catch it at the festival. There are a few other films uh, within the Dare section. Al- alongside, there's uh, Tiger Girl as well, which has sort of caught our eyes. Jacob Lass film from Germany about uh, capitalist v- vigilantes. So that was the Dare section. On to the Thrill Strand. There is quite a lot going on in the thrill strand. Once again, a, a category that plays to quite a broad audience. Uh, you've got Keshi Miike, uh latest film, which is a samurai epic. Lots of swordplay in it. I've seen a bit of the trailer for this one. Impressive as always, as you'd expect in one of these sort of samurai films harking back to the samurai films of old perhaps but with a modern twist and and uh Ooh. level of gore as well i think is what takashi mika brings he brings a slight exploitation sort of outlook and and vibe to these quite period piece films that he does the example being that i think of 13 assassins takashi mika's films that i think of in terms of his violence and gore and extreme nature issue the killer uh, which probably sent me into therapy a long time ago. Very, very, very disturbing film. Audition as well, obviously. Audition, yeah. Uh, great body of work, once again. Definite high quality. Uh, a couple of other films that are also playing in this category of thrill include Good Time, which uh, from the Safdie brothers, who are a thing now, the Safdie brothers, <laughs> uh, Josh and Benny Safdie. I think Benny Safdie actually stars in it. It's about two brothers who steal some money and one of them ends up in prison. The one who ends up in prison has some sort of learning difficulty. I don't know if he's on the autistic spectrum and it's up to the brother that didn't get caught to try and rescue him before he's taken advantage of. Who is played by Robert Pattinson, continuing his run of picking out their projects and really challenging himself as an actor. It's one where he obviously could have gone an easy route post-Twilight, but he seems to be picking projects that challenge him and and force him to do things he hasn't done before and so yeah good time seems to feed into that as well i just want to say on the frill gala as well there are also (laughs) quite a few other projects that are not long-form films so there are there's quite a lot of short films 
on there and you'll see them as a collection of films if you do pick up a ticket for them. Uh, there is one playing in the Frill short film selection called 19, uh, 1745, uh, which is set in the uh, Scottish wilderness uh, around the Jacobite Rising. And it is about uh, two women who are part of a lodge of sorts and they are trying to escape their master so that they assumedly would have been slaves within the house that were made slaves and it's inferred that they did more than just clean the house uh very very powerful film uh obviously as a short film not huge on budget but i think they've done exceptionally well for the resources that they've had and quite a, a touching end to that film as well uh, definitely worth it in the shorts category under the frill uh, uh strand uh, onto the cult strand now mike <laughs> we've already mentioned hagazusa which is uh, a subtitle the heathen's curse from lucas fagerfield fagerfield or, or however you pronounce that yeah <laughs> sorry I, lucas i apologize um but yeah uh weird twisted horror that has sort of uh deep folkloric and fairy tale traditions appropriate that it is from someone of german descent as it sort of feeds into that brother's grim vibe and and sort of what they did with their stories and also uh was his final project for his film school degree which having watched it is very impressive that this was done on such a minimal budget um, that he's managed to actually make a feature film out of his school project well university project that is good enough to play at film festivals uh is is ridiculous um it was one that it reminded me of mother to a slight degree where it's uh deliberately ambiguous i think so that you can make your own interpretations of what you think it's about it plays quite nicely with the supernatural psychological you're never quite sure which is which or which this is it handled tension very well it it just from i'd say about five ten minutes in it's just slowly turning that handle and just ratcheting the tension up and up and you just get closer and closer to the edge of your seat the score who i couldn't find who composed it who composed it i couldn't i couldn't find that information so unfortunately i'm unable to give them credit because it is a brutal score it has these deep bass thrums that you can feel in your chest as you're watching it um a committed uh, lead performance from alexandra quenny who is very dedicated and and very open in her performance. She is in pretty much every scene of the film. She's in almost every frame of the film. She really dominates this film. And and to be able to do that, I I just thought was great. It had one or two flaws again. There was a, I have to say, there was a slight overuse of shots of the Alpine wilderness, the Alpine scenery, which might have been a budgetary issue with this being uh, a smaller project but it did just distract me slightly and so it's 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 very extreme film there are moments that are quite offensive even to me as a dedicated horror fan so it's not one that i can easily recommend to people but if you are a horror fan or if you are someone if you are a viewer with a slightly stronger stomach it is definitely worth checking out Okay, so that is Hagazusa. Hagazusa. Uh, the a Heathen's Curse. A couple of other films that are playing in 
the cult strand. Thelma is the one that is the gala highlight from Joachim Trier, who did Louder Than Bombs a few years ago, uh, the English language film uh, with Jesse Eisenberg and, and Isabel, Isabel Huppert Pair and Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne, massive cast there. This time, uh, it's back to his home country. It's a Norwegian, French, Denmark, Swedish production. Get your head around that if you can. <laughs> and it's about a teenage girl who uh, taps into some sort of powers of sorts. And it's it's whether it's real or, or imagined, once again, which seems like quite a common theme in a lot of films at the moment. Brawl and Cell Block 99, Mike, you're going to be catching up with this one. This is from Craig Zahler, and it stars Vince Vaughn, as you've never seen him before, as a, as a bald man uh, with quite a wide, big frame he's, he's, on him. He's bulked up for the role, yeah. He, he looks quite intimidating and, and a bit of a bruiser, which, again, you don't really expect from Vince Vaughn. And the other one that caught my eye is the Suspiria presentation, which is the original film from Dario Argento, the master of Italian horror alongside Lucio Fulci. And I love my Italian giallo horror. Uh, This is one that if you haven't seen it, you should definitely see it. There's also a remake on the way with Tilda Swinton. Very soon, I think. Yeah. Next couple of years. Yeah. Tilda Swinton and Chloe Grace Moretz, I believe, are two of the roles. It's an English language uh, remake of it. I am very, very tentative on that one. But we'll see. There's, you know, Tilda Swinton doesn't put her name to anything that always turns out to be not very good. Tilda Swinton always puts her name to something that is of a certain standard so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to Suspiria's remake and at the very least she is always of a certain standard I think she I have never seen a film where I've thought Tilda Swinton wasn't good in you know <laughs> she just smashes it every time uh, in the final strand that we're going to be talking about today is the journey strand Wonderstruck is in there the Todd Haynes film Todd Haynes being known for doing Carol which won several academy awards uh, the film uh, with rooney mara and kate blanchett kate blanchett and this time uh julianne moore uh i can't say much more about julianne moore i love julianne moore i think she's just an, an exceptional actor uh it's a children's coming of age story once again but this time i think it has more tonally to in common with uh martin scorsese's hugo and uh, it's told over the passage of time once again it's a film that i haven't looked into too much because i don't want to spoil it uh uh, but i love the idea of time passing and how characters go from young to very old and 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 what they've learned in the course of that time from the beginning to the end of the film and sometimes I i think that that resonates with my emotions quite quite strongly and it it causes me to get quite tearful, I, but I enjoy getting tearful. I love, I love it when a film provokes that physical reaction from me. So one struck, I think is going to be one of those films that really does that for me. I find it quite cathartic to be able to have a good old sob at the back of the cinema. But yeah, anything that can make you have an emotional reaction, I think is it's clearly spoken to you on some level. And, and that is something that should be sought out. And the other film that is in the journey strand is Lucky, which is the debut film from John Carroll Lynch. Once again, Harry Dean Stanton, who has recently passed away. He is walking across America, as he did in Paris, Texas, in that very famous role. Harry Dean Stanton, we spoke about at length in last week's podcast. Brilliant actor. This will be his final time that he will be seen on screen. I think this is John Carroll Lynch's debut film i think that's correct yeah if you don't know john carroll lynch uh he is the zodiac killer 
of all people in Zodiac, <laughs> or maybe he wasn't the Zodiac. Oh, who knows? <laughs> but if you if you see John Cowlinch, you'll know exactly who he is. He's a character actor who pops you up and definitely know his face. So those are quite a few films that uh, we've briefly sort of touched on. Uh, um, apologies if it's been quite short uh, and there's not enough information behind those, but we just wanted to go through as many films as we can in each strand to give you an idea of what's coming up at London Film Festival. Once again, well worth getting a ticket for any of those ones that we've spoken about. Can't promise you they're going to be brilliant, uh, but from the summary and from the buzz that we've picked up, certainly piqued our interest. And also part of the fun is is the not knowing. You know, if you go and you watch Blade Runner 2049, you know you're going to see a good film. Well, it depends on your standpoint Tr- going true, into that film. But, you know, the the more mainstream and the, and the bigger budget stuff, I, I think, are uh, safer slightly whereas i like something that i i don't know if i'm gonna love it or i'm gonna hate it and i've had many that have hit me both ways and and i love that you know walking into a film with no idea and and also when you love a film that no one else really knows about you can feel slightly superior about it (laughs) i know that's probably not a good thing but that is a large part of my film tastes are I like the stuff that's just a bit weird and that most people don't know about. And when you find someone else that knows that film or responds to it in the same way that you do, there's a real kinship there and, yeah. and a connection that you don't get with a, oh yeah, I, I loved Avengers. I also loved Avengers. It it just doesn't hit on the same sort of Level. scale. No. Uh, sometimes it's really nice to see uh, an, a director or an actor's formative works before they then go on to those more commercial projects. And you can see that sometimes the, the essence of that director and what made them famous in the first place has been distilled and concentrated in that very first film and perhaps more impactful than their later commercial works. I am very, very much looking forward to all of those films on our list that we've previewed there for London Film Festival. Now, if those weren't recommendations enough and you aren't able to get to London to get a ticket, unfortunately, you're going to have to wait until the DVD release or the public release of that particular film that may come towards the end of this year or next year or even beyond. Uh, But we do have, as usual, our home streaming recommendations. So for Netflix, I wrote a little piece on what's coming up on in October for UK Netflix. There are five films on there, one film of which I would like to highlight, which is Madame Bovary, uh, the retelling of Gustave Flaubert's classic novel, which has been retold so many times over. This one I saw at London Film Festival a few years ago. It stars in its lead role, Mia Wasikowska, alongside Reese Ephens. Vasikovsky. Vasikovsky? Yeah, I believe. Or Vasikovska. I think it's Vasikovska. Um, Vasikovska. Mia Vasikowska uh, in the titular lead role of Madame Bovary, alongside Reese Ephens and uh, Paul Giamatti and Martian Logan Green. It's a great story, classic story, obviously. Uh, it's it's not a perfect film. Uh, she plays it against type of Flaubert's novel, uh, she doesn't play it according to how it plays out in, in his book, but the scenery is really well captured. I know it's really damning with faint praise if you're looking at the scenery, but it, it's it's beautiful to watch. And I think Vashikovska's uh, lead role 
she's great in everything I've seen her in. I, I think she, particularly in Stoker, if you like Stoker, I think you might like this. It's not as dark as that, but it goes in that way. And once again, Madame Bovary, I think, is a, is a tale that can be told in multiple ways. So that is my tip for uh, Netflix UK. Uh, it goes on to the service from the 19th of October. Uh, and then my uh, tip would be for Amazon. So my pick for Amazon Prime is Train to Busan, which is the film from Yon Sang-ho. It is a Korean zombie film. And I mean, that's enough to get me on board. I'm sure that's not the case for you. Uh, it is uh, a virus sweeps the country. And uh, there's a group of people on the express train to Busan who must fight uh, for their own survival. It gets what makes zombie films good in that if you don't have an emotional connection to the people involved, you don't care if they get chomped alive or not. This film, at least for me, it really got its hooks into me. And I, I cared about these characters. I cared about these people. Uh, it's also quite inventive, has some great set pieces and some moments of action that are quite shocking and, and well done. And there's very tense moments. There's also uh, the animated prequel, Soul Station, is also available to watch now on uh, Amazon Prime, which I haven't seen myself but I've heard good things about. I wasn't even aware there was an animated... Uh... Yeah, it came out very shortly after the original feature. And and yeah, from what I've heard, plays quite well. Obviously fits into the story of Train to Busan, but, but does so in a way that brings something else to it. it it's not just a shameless cash-in. Okay, so that's available on Amazon Prime. Obviously, there are lots and lots of other streaming services, including Mubi, and Filmstruck and iPlayer? Yeah, I um, I had a look on the BBC iPlayer and at the moment they have Brighton Rock, which was the recent adaptation of Graham Greene's seminal book uh, by Rowan Joff. Features or stars Sam Riley and Andrea Riseborough, the incomparable Andrea Riseborough, who we might just start up a podcast that's just a fan appreciation for, for her because she is just amazing in every film she's in. And... Oh, I yeah, really love, really enjoy Andrew Riseborough's performances. This is another one where she she knocks it out of the park. It follows Sam Riley's Pinky, who is a razor-wielding gangster who commits a crime that is witnessed by Andrea Riseborough's character and so starts to develop a relationship with her to find out what she knows. And it is creepy and brilliantly shot has uh some great supporting cast with john hurt and helen mirren and others and is just yeah it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen before we'll be back after these messages hi everyone this is tim costa i'm hermano de silva and this is walter vinci and together we are the first time watchers podcast each week we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen watch it together and then discuss these movies could be new or old or on our list of shame you can find us on itunes by searching for the first time watchers podcast as well as on stitcher and we love interacting with our listeners so if you have any suggestions send us a tweet an email or post to our facebook page we'd love to hear from you that's right i mean it's all about interaction and talking about what we love movies and you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And, oh, no, look, no, no, let's no. talk stop, about stop, this stop, minutiae Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And shut I up. wonder shut who up. the cat back in God damn it, shut up. I think that's enough. Oh, my God. Go by the Three naughty boys there. That is the first time watchers podcast. Tim Hermano 
and Walter. Uh, you may want to check out their last podcast episode as we speak at the moment. It was a episode involving mother and personal shopper. No, that was the week before, wasn't it? Uh, last week's was Raw. Raw, which is the Giulio De Corno film, which I saw at London Film Festival last year. And uh, it's a horror film that involves uh, a vet or a wannabe vet, student vet, uh, who is hazed and then realises that something's not quite right in her DNA. It is now available on Amazon USA, but it is available on DVD in the UK to buy. I want to say thank you very much to Tim and the crew for saying exceptionally nice things about us this week. Thank you, Hermano and Tim, for all your very, very nice words about us this week it is much appreciated and you guys would be definitely wise enough to go and check out their podcast uh, yeah it's one that i really like in that you never quite know how they're going to react to a film you can think oh i know which ones will like this film and then they will completely surprise you so it's always interesting to tune in just to hear what they actually thought so after our whirlwind tour of london film festival and hopefully that's given you some ideas of what do you want to see in the upcoming couple of weeks? Uh, we know what we're going to see already on our little list. Have a look. Check us out on filmseekers.com. See our reviews of forthcoming films that are going to be playing at London Film Festival. Also, why not follow us on Twitter as well? We are at Filmseekers. Or give us a like on Facebook. That's forward slash Filmseekers. Uh, if you're into photos, we may even take some photos of ourselves, Mike, while we're in London. You can follow us on Instagram and that is also Filmseekers one word. If you're a traditionalist, maybe you'd like to send us an email. Hello at filmseekers.com. There are multiple ways of getting in contact with us and we'd like to hear from you. Let us know what you've seen. Let us know if you're in London as well. We'll come over, have a coffee maybe, have a little chin wag. Yeah, it'd be nice to meet some some fellow film enthusiasts, yeah. I think. Get in contact with us. Now, if you've updated to the latest iOS, whatever on your device, it makes it even easier for you to subscribe to us. Simply go into the search option on the podcast directory, type in Film Seekers, that's all one word, and you'll be able to see us, tap our little faces, and there is a big subscribe button there. And that means that you'll get the latest episode downloaded straight to your device without any fuss whatsoever as soon as it's out there in the world also if you can give us a nice little review tell us what you think underneath and uh, you will be rewarded in a future life somewhere i'm sure <laughs> mike is grateful i am grateful also don't forget that our music is by a band called big num that's uh, n-u-m thank you to Bo for licensing the music to us uh, the first song you heard at the beginning of our show is too clever for words which has now become a little bit of an anthem for myself <laughs> and mike uh, not that we think we're too clever for words we're clearly not no but the, the refrain of it does roll around my head at odd moments that i will just i'll also find myself humming it quite frequently well, there we go it, it's an earworm and that's on the album from monkey came man from man came me and it's available on all good mp3 sites and itunes so thank you for joining us today uh, thank you for having me again and uh, where can people find you, Mike? Uh, if you search at the late great MR, all one word, and uh, you can find me on Twitter there, and I will probably bore you with some of my tweets. Um, and thank you very much for joining us today. Once again, follow us on all social media. We do like to talk to everyone that interacts with us, and we will get you a nice response, unless you're really mean to us, in which we, we won't say much <laughs> at all. So until next time. Ta-ta. Bye-bye. 
this episode has ended, but your film journey doesn't have to. Head over to filmseekers.com where you'll find more reviews, ideas and news. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. Why not connect with us and let us be part of your film-seeking adventure? 